All right, let's land this plane. Wait, you froze. You froze. So did you. <laughs> Welcome to Book Talk Etc., a podcast bound to grow your TBR. I'm Tina from TBR Etc. And I'm Renee from It's Book Talk. This is a conversational podcast about books and more from two Midwest mood readers who are easily distracted by new releases. Today is our September Books on the Radar episode. We'll share something that we've been loving lately, review our latest read, and have book talk about September releases we're the most excited about. We'll wrap things up with our shelf edition. We're a new podcast, so if you like what you hear, we'd love for you to follow us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you have a quick minute, please consider leaving us a review. It helps us find our perfect listening audience. Hey, Tina. Hi, Renee. How's it going? It's going great. How are you? I am good. I am ready for fall, I think. I'm ready for fall reading. I'm ready for like apple picking. I'm like, okay, it's time. It's September books on the radar. We're doing it. I'm ready for fall reading. Yeah. And with the humidity, I'm ready for slightly cooler weather. And that's it. I want right. to leave it at September, October. I hear that. I don't want to move into any other type of weather. <laughs> and guys, just we're going to prepare you in advance. Obviously, we're both Midwesterners and we have to talk about the weather. Like it's like built into our DNA. <laughs> it's just such a big part of either messing things up sometimes mm-hmm. or right. It can yeah. affect our moods. Oh, 100 percent. I mean, I don't know about you, but my reading shifts. So mm-hmm. as the as we come towards winter and like I want to read books set in snow. Yeah. I, get I guess that too. I wonder if that's different if you live in California or Florida or Texas. I, I would love I'm to know. Sure. I know. I guess hit us up if that's the case. I know. I'm curious. But I am kind of excited about slowing down a little bit. Yeah. Getting a little bit better handle on reading. I don't know. Summer seems like, oh, summer, I want to read, read, read and yep. summer books and and I feel like slowing down a little bit. I hear that. And I have a couple books that are a little bit like more dense that I've been saving for fall. Like Damnation Spring is one that I'm super curious about, but I, I'm like, I don't know. It doesn't feel like this, you know, a summer read to me. So I've been saving a couple of those. So we'll see if I get to them. And I'm making a very extensive October oh. list. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to have to narrow it down for spooky <laughs> reading month. I but can't there, wait. Oh, there's so many I want to read. I know I have my shelf edition today is a book that's a little bit spooky. So I'm saving that for October. Okay, good. Before we get into it, we wanted to share a very exciting announcement. We have started a Patreon. If you're not familiar, Patreon is a way to support our content and get some exclusive benefits that are only available to patrons. So for $5 a month, you will get access to exclusive mini podcast episodes where we get into things like DNF talk, books we disagree on, and deep dives on specific titles. We'll also have a quarterly happy hour book club where we hope to come together with some of you all and share what you've been reading. You'll get access to our master spreadsheet, which includes all of the books and loving latelies that we mention on Book Talk, etc., 
and newsletters, which will include even more books on the radar and a monthly wrap-up. And more, this is a developing idea. And your support on Patreon helps us take on larger and more ambitious projects. And it allows us to really devote more time to creating more quality content. You guys have been so, so lovely in supporting us this far, and we cannot wait to take this on. Follow the links in the description for some more information. Yes, you gave a great description of everything we've been working on, and we're so excited, right? I mean, it like, yeah, we, the podcast itself is exciting, but like yes. at night, I'm like, I log into Patreon and look, and I'm like, I can't wait until we have people that can like log in and see our extra content. Right. And like you said, we're still developing. So absolutely. We were adding things and Mm -hmm. more to come. All right. That sounds great. I am excited. All right. Should we get started? Let's do it. So what's your loving lately? Good question. (laughs) (laughs) There it is. Papers out of order. Okay. This week, I am bringing something very simple, but yet I really enjoy it. And it is the Thrive Brilliant Eye Brightener. Mm, tell me more. Okay. This popped up. Have you seen Thrive, the company, cosmetics company in your Instagram feed? Yes. Okay. Me too. Mm-hmm. And I question things in, that pop up in my Instagram feed. I'm like, eh. but this one kept popping up and I like a smudgy eye. I don't, mm-hmm. eat, I don't like to spend a whole lot of time doing eyeliner. And I mean, I will, I just don't want to, especially in the summer. Right. So I thought I would check this out and I ordered the Muna, M-U-N-A, which I think is kind of geared towards people with blue eyes. And I really, really like it. It's very smudgy. Mm -hmm. So a few swipes, top and bottom, and that's it. And some mascara. And I like the look it creates because I don't have to do any blending whatsoever. But it's almost like a cross between eyeshadow and an eyeliner, but it's definitely more towards an eyeshadow. So I like them. I like the company because they're vegan, cruelty-free, sulfate-free. And then every purchase that they do, they donate towards something. So whether it's cancer, fighting cancer, Surviving Domestic Violence, Emerging from Homelessness. Those are a lot of their charities. I was pleasantly surprised that something random in my Instagram feed actually turned out to be a product that I really like. And that was the Thrive Brilliant Eye Brightener in Muna. This is so good. I've seen them a million times in my Instagram. I'm really tempted by their mascara. Have you seen like some of their like side-by-sides with people? I think they're like YouTubers that they have and they have like super long lashes anyway, but still Mm. I'm like, well, maybe I'll look like that. And I like that they're vegan and cruelty-free. I do too. I really like that. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I will, I'll definitely try it. Like their other products or some mascara for sure. Yeah. Sounds good. All right. What about you? What are you loving this week? So this is so funny. And again, we've done it again. So my my loving lately is a YouTube channel. And this woman is very popular. So I would not be surprised if you love makeup and are already familiar with her. But her name is Tati Westbrook. And her channel is called The Glam Life Guru. I, I love this woman. <laughs> I've watched her for literal years. She took a year off because she was involved in some big makeup community scandal, but she's back and I couldn't be happier. 
She is completely gorgeous. And I love that she's, I think she's a little bit older than me. So she's like 39 or something like that. So it like makes me feel like, oh, okay. Like I can listen to your recommendations because it's kind of geared towards, you know, women my age. She has the best speaking voice. It's very soothing. She's very professional. And so specifically, I'm recommending her whole channel, but specifically she posted a video called Skincare Obsessions Worth the Hype. And I have gotten so many recommendations from Tati throughout the years. So I figure if you are into skincare like Renee and I are, you'll want to check this video out. Her picks are things that she actually uses and, you know, spends time using. She has, like, expensive taste. Some of these items are a bit pricey, but I always say that skincare is one of those things that I think is good to spend your money on if you can. She puts out about two videos a week or so, and she mostly reviews products, tests new makeup, and does the occasional makeup tutorial. But if you're new to her, she used to post for five days a week for years. So she has so many back videos on her channel. I highly recommend her. I really like her. And this is Tati Westbrook and her YouTube channel, Glam Life Guru, and specifically the video Skincare Obsessions. And of course, we'll link to this in our show notes. That is perfect for me. Can I tell you, I have never watched a skincare YouTube. Oh, you're going to love it. Oh, is this going to be a rabbit hole? It's going to be a rabbit hole. It's going to be a rabbit hole. Now, Tati is not a skincare expert, although she has her own line of like hair, skin, and nail like supplements. Mm-hmm. She's more beauty. There are skincare-specific YouTube channels, so that's a tale for another time. Okay. That sounds great. I am, I'm going to check that out I hope out I turn you on to this. I hope I turn you on to YouTube. That would make me happy. Uh, when am I going to have time? I, Look, when am I going to have time for this? I've got to be reading. I don't know. <laughs> I know. Well, you'll make time. Okay. I, I'm going to try it. I I love finding a little something new. Mm-hmm. And I could probably just put that on while I'm making dinner or something. That's and what learn, I do, actually. Mm-hmm. Even if I learn one new trick or tip, or it's mm-hmm. it's fi- it's worth it. I can do 10 minutes and then take something away from it and then... Mm-hmm. Well, and exactly. And it's not like you have to sit there and study. Like, it's just kind of in the background. And like you said, when I'm cooking dinner, a lot of times I do have some of my favorite YouTubers on in the background. I only have like three that I like really follow. But yeah, give it a shot. That is great. Thank you. All right. Would you like to start with your latest read? I will. I will start with the latest read. So my latest read is 56 Days by Katherine Ryan Howard. And I only knew a few things going into this book. I knew that it was set during the COVID-19 pandemic. I knew that you recommended one of the author's books in our Mm -hmm. Around the World episode. And I knew that it was a book of the month pick. And I do think not knowing much else worked out for me because I was very surprised, pleasantly surprised at how the story unfolded. It opens with a fire alarm being pulled in this huge apartment complex in Dublin, Ireland. All of the neighbors are annoyed because this is not the first time that the fire alarm has been pulled. And we quickly find out that they're dealing with the pandemic, too, because something's off and they're like standing away from each other. You know, they're in masks and things like that. We meet two detectives who get called onto the scene because in addition to the fire alarm, there is a funky smell coming out of apartment one. And it turns out the smell is from a dead body and the story works backward from there. That happens within the very first couple of pages. You guys know that pandemic books are my catnip, but it does feel a little different when it's a pandemic that we're still going through. 
That said, I do think the setup was realistic and timely without being too flippant about everything. The main story centers on a couple, Oliver and Sierra. They're just getting to know each other, and because of lockdown, they decide to move in together, even though they've only been dating for like three weeks. We get to find out a lot about them via alternate narration, and it turns out both of them might be trying to keep things from each other. The structure was so interesting. The author plays with time. We flash forward and backward to get each of their different perspectives. You also get some scenes in there with the Garda, where they provide some comic relief and insight into the investigation in the apartment complex. Reading this, it took me a little bit of time to get my bearings, probably about 15% or so. Once I was in, I was all in. I could not put it down. It's one of those books I was making dinner, holding my Kindle, trying to read, and I finished it with one eye cracked open after I woke up. That's how you know I loved it. Um, The author is so good at leaving each chapter on a cliffhanger, so it really made me want to turn the pages and figure out what was going on. This had some red herrings. Nothing was too easy, though. It wasn't like, oh, you know, like something that was convenient to help the plot get solved. This was a true psychological thriller. Know that going in, you kind of have to just go with things and know that you're probably not going to be rooting for the characters the whole time, but it was pure fun, and I highly recommend it. This was 56 Days from Katherine Ryan Howard. That is on my TBR. I actually just got an audio copy of that. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I have a question of mm-hmm. about something that you said. Yeah. When it goes back in time, mm-hmm. are we staying there for a no. while? Nope, okay. <laughs> not at all, because I don't like that either. Okay. Very quickly. And we're not going back to like, you know, the, the 90s. Like we're going, it's a brief. Okay, great. And I love, because she kind of repeats some sections and you see an incident told from both of their perspectives. Because I kind of like enjoy that. it. I do too. I really thought it was interesting. So I thought this was super fun. Definitely want to read more by this author. Yes, I really want you to to read Distress Singles, yes, too. That is on my fall list. But I like this. I like that they only had three weeks mm-hmm. that they knew each other. So mm-hmm. you know things are going to go wrong. Oh, yeah. They don't know each other well enough, right? Exactly. Exactly. So it was okay. fun. What's Great. your latest read? My latest read is a memoir, which was recommended to me from Katie at the Currently Reading Podcast. Mm-hmm. She sent me a DM after one of my shelf editions and said she thought I would like this. And she was absolutely right. This is called My Time Will Come by Ian Manuel. And I had not heard of this. Mm-mm. And Ian was, I think, part of the Just Mercy book that Brian Stevenson wrote. I only saw the movie. So Brian Stevenson does the foreword in this story. And I ended up listening to this. Ian narrates his own story. So this is about his story. When he was 13 years old, he had already had a very unstable life. Did not know his dad. His mother was somewhat neglectful, pretty verbally abusive. He had some sexual abuse that put him in a foster home, but then he was sent back home and put right back into the same situation. When he was 13, he was heading into gang involvement, and this set was set in Tampa, or took place in Tampa, Florida. He and a few other boys tried to rob Debbie Bagri and a male friend that she was with. He pointed a gun at her and shot her in the mouth. 
the way he ended up becoming arrested and all of that was through his own confession Mm -hmm. after being tricked. Debbie survived. He was sentenced at the age of 14 to life in prison without parole. And this just, I think I may have mentioned quickly um, on another episode, I'm a licensed social worker. I worked in foster care. I worked with children specifically. And I have strong opinions about children being sentenced to life in prison without Mm -hmm. the possibility of parole. Now, that's a whole nother, you know, everyone has thoughts and opinions, but because this adult prison could not accommodate him, like the clothes didn't fit him, not, they put him in solitary confinement for his safety because of the way solitary confinement is set up. And he was an angry and abused and, you know, traumatized. And yes, he committed a crime. Yes, he did. But he he was unable to get out of solitary confinement because of the behavior stipulations that he kept failing, even though they put him there initially to keep him away from the other prisoners. But what did they think was going to happen if they put him in solitary? And that's the thing. And this book really explores it. And Brian Stevenson really explores it. Afterwards, I, I ended up Googling interviews. But when you have a child with a developing brain and you put them in solitary confinement, you know, that's not going to be good. So for basically eight, he was there for 18 years because he couldn't get he couldn't get out. He kept getting in trouble and then they'd tack on six months and blah, blah, blah. He also had no one visit him for the first six years. No human contact. It's an incredible story. What ended up happening and this is not a spoiler, he he says this pretty early on, but he made the decision that he, he says to really transformed his life. He decided to call Debbie on Christmas Eve. And from there, they ended up forging a friendship. She forgave him. And it is just an amazing part of the story. So Brian Stevenson was able to get involved because he and his Equal Justice Initiative we're trying to get the sentences of children being sentenced to life without mm-hmm. parole overturned. So in 2016, he was able to do that for Ian. So he, I mean, the way that he survived is incredible. It's an incredible story. He shares his poetry. He ended up becoming involved in writing poetry and he says how that saved him. And he shares his poems in the book. It's not a book I enjoyed per se. Mm -hmm. I listened to it in one day. This is a story that if you're at all interested in listening or reading, it will haunt you. I can't stop thinking about it, but I'm inspired by how he was able to get through those years without losing his mind. Mm -hmm. Also, he spoke of the use of imagination. And to me, that's just what the human brain can do to survive is Incredible. It is very incredible. And we both have psychology backgrounds, mm-hmm. so we're kind of extra fascinated by that. And then Debbie and her forgiveness of him is incredible. And since his release, they spend a lot of time together. He calls her his second mom. I mean, it's just amazing. I highly recommend that if you read or listen to this, then once you're finished, go and Google mm-hmm. and watch the interviews with Ian and Debbie and do that. But read the read or listen to the book first. And that is My Time Will Come by Ian Emanuel. I am so glad you brought this and that Katie recommended it to you because it sounds incredible. And it I was. will definitely be listening to it. Wow. Are we 
we're heading into book talk. We are heading into book talk. So today we're talking about our September books on the radar. And you might know these are books that publish, obviously, in the month of September that we are the most excited about. Usually we have not read them yet, but I actually do have one today that I finished and I am delighted to share with you guys. So I can't wait to do that. Renee, do you want to kick it off? You want me to? Yeah, you can. Okay. Yeah, you just talked a lot. Okay. Not a lot, but you know, <laughs> an appropriate right. amount for a podcast. I know. But. I did talk a lot. Well, you know me. I like to talk no, about good. my books. I'm trying to streamline my book chatter. It's all good. It's all good. Today, we are talking about our September books on the radar. These are books that publish, obviously, in the month of September that we are excited about. Usually, we have not read these yet, but I do have one that I have finished, and I cannot wait to share with you guys. I'm actually going to kick things off with that one. It is The Charm Offensive by Alison Cochran, and this one comes out on September 7th. This is a romantic comedy set in the world of a Bachelor-like show called Ever After. The lead is Charlie Winshaw. He is beautiful and an awkward tech prodigy who goes on the dating show to try and repair his image. His producer is Dev Deshpande, who loves love and truly believes in the power of these shows. So it's no surprise that Dev has spent his career working in them. He is young, but he's the most successful producer in the franchise's history because he has a knack for creating the perfect love story for his contestants, despite struggling with his own love life. Very quickly, we find out that Charlie is far from the ideal Prince Charming, and it takes everything Dev has in his arsenal to make him come off as believable. As he struggles to get Charlie to bond with the contestants, it starts to look like they have better chemistry between themselves than with the co-stars. If you are a fan of Red, White, and Royal Blue by Casey McQuiston, you will like this. It has a very similar feel. It is funny and smart, but also deep. I get weird with funny books. I'm like, oh, it's going to (laughs) be cheesy. It's going to be extra. This 100% they made me laugh out loud. And I'm like, yes, I love when that happens because it doesn't always happen. This has all sorts of representation. It's LGBT. It's very pro-mental health, but also very entertaining. We get to travel to exotic locations and there is a great cast of supporting characters. If you like reality TV, you will like that this breaks the fourth wall because they do a lot of that behind the scenes. And it really made me wonder, like, okay, I want to see what happens behind the scenes in The Bachelor. And Mm -hmm. I honestly cannot say enough good things about this book. I highly recommend it. And this is The Charm Offensive by Alison Cochran. Yes, you just move that to the very top. It's fun. It's breezy. It's fun. But it's also deep and, like, not too breezy. Did you say you read this? Yes, I did not listen to it. I just read it. Oh, I would really like this. You like everything on audio. Like you don't read books. You only listen to them. I know. But when, especially if anything is slightly funny, Mm. I feel like I want to, I want to listen to it. The character humor was, their humor was very dry, which I, I quite liked. I like that too. Okay. I'm definitely going to read that one. That's a good one. Okay. I am also going with a September 7th release. And that is L.A. Weather by Maria Amparo Iskandan. This is a family drama. And I like how I'm changing things up for the fall, which I didn't realize it until I put all my books together. (laughs) And the setup for this one is you have an affluent Mexican-American family. And this is billed as a fun, fast-paced novel. But 
storm clouds are on the horizon for this family. L.A. at the time of this is dry. It's parched. And Oscar, the weather-obsessed patriarch of the Alvarado family, desperately wants a little rain. He's harboring a costly secret that distracts him from everything else. His wife, desperate for a life with a little more intimacy and a little less weather channel, feels she has no choice but to end their marriage. Their three daughters, Claudia, who's a television chef, Olivia, a successful architect who suffers from gentrification guilt, and Patricia, a social media wizard who has an uncanny knack for connecting with audiences, but not with her lovers, are blindsided and left questioning everything they know. Each will have to take a critical look at her own relationships and make some tough decisions along the way. This is billed as quick-witted and humorous, and it follows the family as they wrestle with impending evacuations, secrets, deception, and betrayal as they tackle their toughest decision, whether to stick together or burn it all down. I love the sound of this. I love that it sounds like a messy family drama, but not too heavy. And I love the LA setting. And of course, I would like to try this on audio. (laughs) I don't know. Family dramas seem to work better for me when I can hear each person involved in yeah, the drama if I can hear their voice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they also, the girls sound like they have interesting jobs, too. Like, that's what stuck out to me. I'm like, oh. They really yeah, do. I want to hear about yes. it. Yes. And that was L.A. Weather by Maria Amparo Iskandan and comes out September 7th. Sounds good. Well, September 7th is going to be a massive publication date because yes. mine also comes out on September 7th. And it is The Night She Disappeared by Lisa Jewell. You guys know that Lisa Jewell is an auto-read author for me. And honestly, she's really never let me down. And I've read, I don't know, six of her books so far. So this is Psychological Suspense, set in a charming English suburb. You have 19-year-old Tallulah. She's going on a date, and she leaves her baby with her mother, Kim. Kim watches her daughter go, and it turns into night. She's supposed to come home. She doesn't. And then all of a sudden, it's early morning. And she's like, okay, where is my daughter? What happened? And the next morning, she gets a phone call, and Tallulah's friends tell her that she was last seen heading to a party at a house in the nearby woods and never returned. Essentially, the young girl goes missing after this massive party on the country estate, and her mother refuses to stop looking. She thinks something nefarious went on, and then you get another perspective about two years later where a writer has moved into these woods that borders the house where the girl supposedly went missing, and the writer is on a walk and stumbles into a mysterious note that reads, Dig Here. And so she does. Can you imagine, like— Renee and I are massive, like, walkers, and, you know, we, you know, take walks every day and things like that. And I'm like, what if I found a note that said dig here? I don't think that I'd be digging, but I'm not risky. So, anyway. Oh, my. We have to find out, is this a clue? (laughs) Is it something else? And what exactly is buried in these haunted woods? Can't wait. You know I love Lisa Jewell, and I am very intrigued. This is The Night She Disappeared by Lisa Jewell. I love Lisa Jewell, too. And she manages to keep writing disappearance stories (laughs) literally that are so that are unique and they always have a different 
angle. I love, I love her disappearance stories. I cannot wait to read this. And she's always, she's so prolific. I think every year she comes out with a new one. And honestly, like, I don't mind if authors take breaks. Sometimes I think it's good because you're like, okay, you know, it keeps us waiting Mm -hmm. and, you know, gives them time to regroup. But for some reason, she's able to do it. And I never feel like her stories are derivative. I agree. And I, I have not even read everything by Lisa Jewell. All right. Next for me is, is a book by an author that is new to me, although you really want me to read one of his books, and I am definitely going to read it. Who is this? It is Harlem Shuffle by Colson <sighs> Whitehead. Yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I am, I've downloaded The Nickel Boys. I am definitely going to listen to that one. Um, this new one comes out September 14th, and I love every single thing about this. And Man, this initial sentence has buzzwords for me. It is billed as a gloriously entertaining novel of heists, shakedowns, and ripoffs set in Harlem in the 1960s. Mm-hmm. To his customers and neighbors on 125th Street, Carney is an upstanding salesman of reasonably priced furniture making a decent life for himself and his family. He and his wife Elizabeth are expecting their second child. So, life is good. However, few people know that he descends from a line of uptown hoods and crooks, and that his facade of normalcy has more than a few cracks in it, cracks that are getting bigger. Cash is tight, so if his cousin Freddie occasionally drops off the odd ring or necklace, Ray doesn't ask where it comes from. He knows a discreet jeweler downtown who doesn't ask questions. Then, Freddie falls in with a crew who plan to rob the Hotel Teresa, the Waldorf of Harlem, and volunteers raise services as the fence. The heist doesn't go as planned, of course, and now Ray has a new clientele, one made up of shady cops, vicious local gangsters, two-bit pornographers, and other assorted Harlem lowlifes. Oh, I love the sound I know, of this I know, this sounds book. so good for you. Oh, this is my pure just catnip. So thus begins the internal tussle between Ray the Striver and Ray the Crook. And we get to follow the story as Ray navigates this double life and follow along as to whether Ray can avoid getting killed, save his cousin, and grab his share of the big score. This is a family saga masquerading as a crime novel a hilarious morality play, a social novel about race and power, and a love letter to Harlem. And that was Harlem Shuffle by Colson Whitehead. Sounds good. I can't wait. It sounds so yeah, good. Yeah, anytime. It's like another auto by author for me is Colson Whitehead. Although this cover is wacky. <laughs> it kind of like looks like a like, yeah. gam- like a casino or something. It's got It's like red and green, I think. Like old school. Yeah, yeah. Very interesting. Mm -hmm. So I just can't wait to see what he's cooked up for us. Yeah. Give me all the heists. (laughs) I will take it. I love it. I love double life. You love a heist. Live for a heist. I love a heist. Okay. (laughs) My next book does not have any heists in it. However, it does have one of your buzzwords. Oh, I can't Somebody goes missing. Next is The House on Needless Street by Catronia Ward. This one comes out on September 28th. It is horror and dark literary fiction, and it takes place in a spooky house on a dead-end street at the edge of the wild Washington woods, where a family of three lives. There's a teenage girl who isn't allowed outside, a man who drinks alone in front of his television, 
and a house cat who loves napping and reading the Bible. And apparently our house cat has a perspective. An unspeakable secret binds them together. But when a new neighbor moves in next door, what is buried out among the birch trees might come back to haunt them all. What got me on this one is the cover. The cover is fabulous. You know, it looks like a spooky ghost house. You can see the cat on the cover. So that jumped out to me. And also when I started looking into it, it has gotten a ton of advanced praise for some really big Mm -hmm. names like Stephen King, Joe Hill, Rachel Housel Hall. And so it seems like people are really enjoying it. They're also calling it unique and mind-bending, which I can definitely vibe with, especially in horror. I'm ready for all things spooky, so I'm very excited to give this a shot. This is The House on Needless Street by Catronia Ward. That's a great one for the fall. That That's on my TBR, too. And you're right. It's getting a lot mm-hmm. of positive buzz. Yeah, so I'm, cu- I'm curious. Good. I can't wait to find out how we like that one. Okay, next for me is surprisingly a memoir. Okay. I don't know. Who am I? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But this one sounds really good and different and out of my wheelhouse. Okay. And it it is called App Kid, How a Child of Immigrants Grabbed a Piece of the American Dream Mm. by Michael Saman. It comes out September 21st. And this is about his story. And as a 13-year-old in Silicon Valley, he taught himself how to code and claimed his share of the American dream. As his parents watched their restaurant business collapse in the wake of the Great Recession, Michael began Googling how to code, which is crazy. And within a year, he had launched an iPhone app that was bringing in thousands of dollars a month enough to keep his family afloat and to allow them to stay in America. He was entirely self-taught, and he headed from high school straight into the professional world. And by the time he was 17, he was Facebook's youngest employee ever. Wow. Can you imagine? No. That's amazing. Yeah. He built new features that wowed Mark Zuckerberg. And these features are now being used by more than half a billion people every day. He pushed Facebook to build its own version of Snapchat's stories, and engagement on the platform soared across all demographics. Millions of Gen Z and millennials returned to the app as teen engagement rose dramatically on Instagram and WhatsApp, causing a billion-dollar loss in value for Snapchat's parent company. Three years later, he left for Google. Wow. Where I'm assuming is where he still is. This is his story. It's an uplifting memoir. He shares the highs, the lows, the successes and failures. And really how a young Latino, not yet old enough to drive, excelled in the cutthroat world of Silicon Valley. I think this sounds so interesting. That was App Kid, How a Child of Immigrants Grabbed a Piece of the American Dream. I love reading about super, super, super smart people <laughs> doing things that they just kind of dreamed and then made it happen. Right. I love immigrant stories, and you know I love stories set in Silicon Valley. So I'm like, oh. oh I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. No, I didn't. Like startup type things. Yeah. Oh, like work yeah, culture. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So like that kind of all folds in. And I like that he was able to kind of, it sounds like, 
probably like upset some of the folks that were at Snapchat, like all these, you know, people that had a ton of experience and whatever, whatever, probably had like the proper quote unquote training. Here's this kid from Mm -hmm. who self-taught who comes in and kind of moves everything around. So, all right, I'll listen to that one. Thank you. Yes. Okay. What do you have next? All right. So this is my last pick for September and it is Don't Sit on My Bed with Your Outside Clothes by Phoebe Robinson. And it comes out on September 28th. This is a book of essays. And if you don't know who Phoebe Robinson is, she is a comedian and a podcast host of the podcast turn TV show, Two Dope Queens. This is her third book. So she's definitely in the writing game too. She said she wrote this one as something to make you laugh until you pee a little, feel until you want to rage a little, and think until you go back to laughing a little, which I love. I love essays that are funny, but like have a serious undertone, then kind of take it back to funny. She says she's got embarrassing quarantine stories, thoughts on Black Lives Matter and performative allyship, Michelle Obama, and her decision not to have kids and other life tips. And then too, at the very end of the synopsis, I loved this. And she says, no pressure, but by clicking buy right now, you get all the laughs I drummed up and you get to read the first book from my new imprint, Tiny Reparations Books. So Tiny Reparations Books is a highly curated imprint through Penguin Random House dedicated to publishing both literary fiction and nonfiction essay collections that highlight and amplify unique and diverse voices, which hello, I said, yep, I'm adding this to my list. I also really like the cover. So I'm looking forward to it. This one is Don't Sit on My Bed with Your Outside Clothes by Phoebe Robinson. Oh, that. So my last book is out of my wheelhouse. You're going to be surprised. Okay, tell me. It is called Once Upon a Broken Heart by Stephanie Garber. It comes out September 28th. It is fantasy and young adult. I I know. I'm familiar with the author from Caraval. I Oh, yes, you're right. What? I, I did not read that. Who am I today? I don't know. But this sounds right up my alley, despite being young adult. So it is about love, curses, and the lengths that people will go for happily ever after. Evangeline Fox was raised in her beloved father's curiosity shop, where she grew up on legends about immortals, like the tragic Prince of Hearts. She knows his powers are mythic, his kiss is worth dying for, and that bargains with him rarely end well. But when Evangeline learns that the love of her life is about to marry another, she becomes desperate enough to offer the Prince of Hearts whatever he wants in exchange for his help to stop the wedding. The prince only asks for three kisses, but after Evangeline's first kiss, she learns that the Prince of Hearts wants far more from her than she's pledged, and he has plans for Evangeline that will either end in the greatest happily ever after or the most exquisite tragedy. Do you know what vibes this has for me? Well, it sounds like it could be a bittersweet love story. Yes, but Addie LaRue. Oh. This is... This room and you know, no wonder like I Lou shut Lou. no wonder I shut down when you were describing this. I was like, uh-huh. Uh-huh. I loved Addie LaRue okay. so much. And I immediately thought of this, thought of that book when I read this. Got it. And I need it. I need to hopefully get this on my TBR as soon as possible, plus a potential love triangle. Hello. I, hello. Once Upon a Broken Heart by Stephanie 
Garber. I'm very proud of you. And in fact, myself, because I feel like we branched out from our normal thriller and mystery only. I I hope that listeners appreciate a little branching out. Yes. I know that we do like our mysteries and thrillers. And don't worry, I have one as a shelf edition. But like I said, I am feeling like changing things up a little for the fall. I love it. All right. Do you want to share your shelf edition? Sure. My Shelf Edition is a backed list book, and it's called Confessions by Kane Minato. And I picked it up because it has one of my buzzwords in it, revenge. This came out in 2014, and it's about a teacher who is devastated after her her four-year-old girl gets killed on the playground. She is a teacher, and everyone is calling the girl's death an accident, and the woman is going to quit her job. But first, she is dead set on revenge. There are alternating narrators and a supposed twist you'll never see coming. So we'll see. I've seen this cover around many times before, and I love a revenge story. I love this. It just, the setup sounds so good to me. And again, I've been looking for books to add to my fall reading, and I'm ready for all the crime thrillers and dark books. And this sounds definitely dark. So we will see. This is Confessions by Kane Minato. No matter how many times I hear twist you never see coming, I, it will always pull me in. <laughs> uh-huh. I know. And the funny part is, like, it doesn't even have to be that clever for me to oh, not me, be able to see no, it coming. No, me either. Like, oh, We're okay. the same. We're the exact same. <laughs> okay. For my shelf edition, I'm also bringing a thriller, and it's called No One Will Miss Her by Kat Rosenfeld. It comes out October 12th. Have you heard of this one? I have not. Okay. This sounds really good. And it got... On to my radar, first from Amy at Novel Gossip, and she's already read it and loved it, but I have seen others calling it like the smart thriller of fall, and it's going to supposedly bring back our love for the thriller genre. I don't know that we lost it, but... <laughs> I know some people have. Okay. This is... A novel of psychological suspense in which a girl from a hard scrabble small town meets a gorgeous Instagram influencer from the big city with a murderous twist that will shock even the most savvy reader. Oh, that is high. Come on. I know. They're selling this too high. It's uh, here we go. On a beautiful October morning in rural Maine. A homicide investigator from the state police pulls into the hard luck town of Copper Falls. The local junkyard is burning and the town pariah, Lizzie, is dead. With her husband, Dwayne, nowhere to be found. As scandal ripples through the community, Detective Ian Bird's inquiries unexpectedly lead him away from small town Maine to a swank city townhouse several hours south. Adrian Richards, blonde and fabulous social media influencer and wife of a disgraced billionaire, had been renting Lizzie's tiny lake house as a country getaway, even though Copper Falls is anything but a resort town. As Adrian's connection to the case becomes clear, so too does her connection to Lizzie, who narrates their story from beyond the grave. Each woman is desperately lonely in her own way. And they navigate a relationship that cuts across class boundaries. And guess what? This is billed as a gone girl for the gig economy. I don't know what that means. 
Like people that don't like they work and they have gigs. So like they it's like free, oh, freelancers, it. I think. Got it. Okay. This is a story of privilege, identity, and cunning as two devious women from opposite worlds discover the dangers of coveting someone else's life. That is No One Will Miss Her by Kat Rosenfeld. Mm, that sounds really good. And it kind of reminds me of the other Mrs. Parrish in terms of like a woman coveting oh. another woman's life and that sort of vibe. They also have so many of my buzzwords. It sounds like they took them all, cut them on a piece of paper uh-huh. and like scrambled them up and just was like, here's your synopsis. Here's all your buzzwords. But it sounds great. Yeah. Yeah, it does sound really good. I hadn't thought of the last Mrs. Parrish, but you're right. Yeah. Well, oh, good. That's it for today. We thank you for spending a part of your day with us. Links to all the books mentioned can be found in the show notes. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can help us out by following us wherever you listen and by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us get our podcast out to new listeners and grows our audience. Feedback and questions about the show can be sent to booktalketc at gmail.com. You can also connect with us both at booktalketc on Instagram. Tina at TBR, etc., and me, Renee, at It's Book Talk. Talk to you next week. In the meantime, remember, don't forget to join our Patreon. Just kidding. <laughs> Everything's better with books. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> I have to tell you something. <laughs> Yesterday when we were chatting on Slack, and you said... Yes. We were ha- okay. You said this. I did. I but said, I said, but I didn't know it was a book. <laughs> I thought you must have been like, speak, what do you do? Talking to text? And I thought you were saying that to John. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to pee. <laughs> I know. You wrote me back. I said, because she had asked me, like, what's your last title? I said, don't sit on my bed with your outside clothes. And she's like, okay, I won't. <laughs> But I had asked you that before, and then you said, I forget, um, scroll up. And then I was like, oh, okay, oh, like, I'll just right. look for it. And then I remember. And then you said that, and I was like, oh, she's talking to text and telling, like, I thought you I were mean, telling John. It is a good rule of thumb, though. Like, you know, you don't want those stinky outside clothes on your bed.